Amen. You feel free to have a seat. As we continue in worship through the preaching of God's word this morning, uh, I want to invite you to follow along as I read our passage today. It's Ephesians chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 14 and go through the end of the chapter, which is verse 21. And you can follow along in your copy of God's Word, of course. Um, this will be on the screens behind me, as well as at the top of the message map that hopefully you received on your way in the door. Again, this is Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. It says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, the inspired and inerrant way that you communicate to us and help us to know who you are. And Father, I thank you for, for Pastor Kevin and the way that you have gifted him and equipped him uh, to be an instrument this morning for your word. And, and so Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be with him as he shares with us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be with us as we hear uh, what he would have to give to say this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Stephen. And as Stephen mentioned, when you came in, you should have received a bulletin. And on the back of that bulletin, uh, you will find a message map. So if you will take that out to help guide you through the message today. And as you do that, let me take just a moment to welcome those who are in our overflow room. Or if you're watching online or listening by podcast, uh, let me welcome you as well. And for all of you in this room, let me say a happy new year to you and welcome to our first worship service of 2024. And if you've read our newsletter from this past week, you know that today is a special service. Uh, we are burning a note today and some of you can smell the evidence of that from our first service. Uh, so that is not my new cologne. It is the smell of the note that was burned in the first service. We'll get back to that in just a minute. Uh, the passage that Stephen read earlier is one of my favorites in the Bible. It comes from the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote Ephesians. He wrote 13 letters in our New Testament, and I think Ephesians is arguably his best. And the highlight of the book of Ephesians is found right here in the middle part of that letter. That was the passage that Stephen read. Paul, earlier in that chapter, reflects on the fact that he is in prison. But even though he is in prison, he talks about all that the Lord has allowed him to do over the past several years. 
how God gave him the opportunity to preach the gospel and to plant churches in cities throughout the Roman Empire and to see entire communities in the Roman Empire change through this gospel. And Paul gets to this section, and he is just overwhelmed by everything that God has given to him. And he's so overwhelmed, in fact, that starting in verse 14, he writes out what can only be described as a prayer-slash-benediction, praising God for everything that he has done. Those words that Stephen read earlier, in my opinion, are some of the most beautiful, rich, soul-filling, life-giving words in the Bible. Uh, Paul takes all these tremendous truths that he's talked about in Ephesians, truths about God and Jesus and the gospel and the church, and he gets here to this point, and he stops, and he reflects, and then it's this emotional outburst of prayer and praise to God. In fact, when you read verses 14 through 19 in the original Greek, there's no period. It's one long run-on sentence. Paul is so excited and so overwhelmed, he doesn't even take time to put in a period, which will get you a failing grade in high school English. However, it is a wonderful thing if you're looking at how to fill your life with joy. So let's take a moment to break down the passage and see what Paul had to say. And I want us to start with the end, and then we'll work backwards through this passage. Look at verses 20 and 21. This is what Paul wrote. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I absolutely love these two verses. In fact, I memorized these verses in the New International Version, uh, that translation of this passage. And in that translation, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I think every one of us in this room would love for these verses to apply to our lives. We want God to do abundantly more, to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. How do these mores become reality in our lives? Let me walk through the passage and just highlight a few things that Paul mentions. Uh, And you can see these on your message map. The first thing, the first way we experience God's abundance is through intimate prayer. You can write that in on your message map. Look back at verse 14. Paul started this section by saying this, For this reason I kneel before, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Paul began this section by acknowledging his posture before the Lord. The bowing of knees here was symbolic of a heart that was bowed before God. Paul approached the Lord with what can only be 
described as a confident humility. He was humble and that he recognized that this was all God's doing. Everything that God had given to him, every opportunity that the Lord had laid before him was not something that he had done, but God had done in his life. But as well, he was confident because he had seen the faithfulness of God. And every time he followed what God told him to do, God was faithful to bless that and to pour out his favor on Paul. Paul here begins by saying, if you want to be blessed by the Lord, if you want this abundance, it has to begin with intimate prayer. When I came here to Northway in 2007, uh, the church had been through a very tough season, um, just a, a very difficult uh, period of time, and the church had a lot of struggles um, during that time. And when I came, those struggles were still there. Uh, my, my more optimistic friends called all those things opportunities. Um, I saw them as problems, as struggles. Um, and, and at times, they just seemed to be overwhelming. Uh, our elder board, we call it our lead ministry team, would meet every single week during that season. Uh, we met every Thursday night. We met late into the night. I remember many Thursday nights not getting home until after midnight. There were just so many issues. There were so many problems that we were facing. Uh, there, were, there were so many things that we had to address that, that needed our immediate attention. But the other thing I remember about that time was that we would begin every meeting with prayer. A lot of prayer. Not just one person praying, Lord, please bless this meeting. We would go around the table and spend 35, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour in prayer, just crying out to God. In fact, I remember we joked that we would do the prayer time at the beginning of the meeting because if we waited until the end, half of us would fall asleep because we were so exhausted. And so we would begin every meeting with these long periods of prayer. And I look back on that time now and I realize a couple of things. One, I do not ever want to go back to that season and yet I'm incredibly thankful for it. God used that time to, to build me, to grow me, to shape my life. And those times of prayer were vital for my own personal walk with the Lord. The other thing that I know, looking back, is that so much of what God did in the years that followed that period of time, I believe were a, were a direct result of that time that we spent crying out to the Lord on behalf of our church, praying for wisdom on decisions that were made, asking for the Lord's favor as we minister to the community, how God was faithful in answering those prayers as week after week we spent that time praying together. Experiencing God's abundance must include intimate prayer. Secondly, and you can write this in, we experience God's abundance through bold faith. Um, notice verse 17. Here's what Paul prayed for the church. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You and I will never experience God's abundance in our lives. We will never see God do immeasurably more unless we are willing to take steps of faith. Having that bold faith, that willingness to follow God, even when it's scary, even when it does not make sense, 
When we will say yes to God, even in those times, we put ourselves in a position where God is then able to do abundantly more than even what we can imagine. When I think about the story of what God has done in our church over these number of years, this is a word that comes to mind, faith. Following God in faith, even when it did not make sense. Uh, When I came here back in 2007, our church at the time had about uh, $1.5 million in debt uh, from the construction of this main campus. Uh, At the time, the debt just seemed overwhelming to us as a church. In fact, the debt was more than our annual budget. And there were times that it seemed like there's no way we're going to be able to ever pay off this debt. And that intensified when the Great Recession hit in 2008. If you're old enough to remember the Great Recession, you remember just how tight it was financially. In fact, I have two very distinct memories of that time. One was our financial secretary coming to me on a Friday and saying to me, I just did payroll for next week, but we do not have enough money in the bank to cover that payroll that I just put in. Meaning, we need to have a good offering on Sunday, or we won't make payroll. In other words, you better preach a good sermon Sunday, (laughs) or there will be people who do not get paid. And she said, in fact, I'm going to make sure that I take my check to the bank first because other people aren't going to get paid. And I can remember just being scared to death. Lord, what are we going to do if we can't make payroll? Now, I do not remember whether or not it was a good sermon, but I do remember that you were generous, God was faithful, and we were able to make payroll. The other thing I remember during that time was her coming, coming into my office with a stack of bills. And she laid the bills on my desk. It's a power bill, water bill, security company bill, all these different bills. And she said, let me ask you a question. Which of these do you want me to pay first? And which do I hold until the very last day that they are due? I don't know. They didn't teach me this in seminary. And I, which bills do you hold? I finally said, pay the ones we can afford first, the smaller ones, and then just save the bigger ones until later, you know, and maybe we'll have fewer people angry with us for not paying the bills. Do you know we were able to pay every single bill on time? God was so incredibly faithful, but then we faced a big um, uh, step of faith when... um, our kids' ministry um, was meeting at the time in a trailer. It was on the back of our property. It was a triple-wide trailer, and it was pretty nice as far as trailers go, but it was a trailer. Uh, low ceilings. The kids had to go outside in the rain and the cold weather uh, to, to go to the large group room that met in that trailer, then they'd come back in uh, for their classrooms. And shortly after I got here, we received a notice from Planning and Zoning that we were no longer allowed to have that trailer. Uh, They had given us a special variance for three years, and that variance was up, and we had to get rid of the trailer. So I went to PNZ, and I begged for an extension, and they saw, I guess, after all the tears that I cried, they gave me an extension, said, yes, you can have one more extension, but they were clear, this is it. You cannot have another extension. This is 2009. We're still right in the middle of the Great Recession. 
And I went back to our lead ministry team and said, hey, we've got to build something. We don't have a choice. What, what will we do with our kids? And we prayed about it, and we prayed about it, and they said, you know, the vision of this church from day one, before I came here, the vision of this church was to reach families with children. And they said, we know it doesn't make sense. We know that we can't afford it, but we've got to do something. We've got to build something for our children. Uh, in fact, the campaign that we came up with was called Worth It. And I went back into my files, and I found the brochure that advertised this campaign. If you were around back then, some of you may remember this. Uh, we gave them out like candy to everyone. Uh, some of you may have received five or six copies. We needed everyone to give and to contribute to this so that we could uh, build this space. Um, and, and you came through, and we were able to construct additional preschool classrooms, additional kids' classrooms, and the worship space that still today our kids use for their large group meetings. Some of these kids on this cover are now uh, in college. Some of them have graduated. Uh, they are out of college. A few of them are still in high school. And I look back and think about all that God did um, in their lives and countless other lives. And it was because we took that step of faith. Number three, and you can write this in, uh, we experience God's abundance through limitless love. I want you to notice what Paul prayed for the church as well in verse 17. Paul prayed that the church would be rooted and grounded in love. His prayer for the Ephesians was that they would do everything out of a sense of loving others well. You know, here's the irony. If you want God's blessings on your life, one of the best ways you can experience that is by seeking to be a blessing to others. It is the calling of a Christian. Throughout the New Testament, we are told, love one another, love one another, love one another. A Christian who does not love others is a walking contradiction. It, it is our calling. It is a hallmark of the gospel taking root in our lives, that we should have this outward focus and love one another as well. So not long after we opened the preschool and children's space, uh, around 2013, 2014, we began, began to make plans for what would be next for us. Uh, and we knew that what was next would include a student center. We, we absolutely knew that we would build a student center. We knew that we needed to expand our foyer. If you're new to Northway, if you walk into our foyer where those columns are, that was the end of our building originally. That foyer was tiny. People would leave this worship service, go into the foyer. Everyone was shoulder to shoulder. You would have to exit almost immediately. It was just way too crowded. So we knew we needed a student center. We knew we needed to expand the foyer. And we knew we needed something else. And we weren't exactly sure what. And we prayed, we talked, and we prayed some more. And we wanted something that would be a, a different kind of outreach to our community. And in the middle of all those discussions, Katie and I had the chance to go to Dublin, Ireland for a week. And we were in Dublin, and we were walking around the city one evening, and we were looking for a restaurant to eat dinner, and we stumbled across this restaurant that was a converted church. In fact, the name of the restaurant was The Church. And so we walked into this restaurant, we went over to the menu, we looked at the prices on the menu, and we turned around and walked out. 
but not before I was able to take a picture of this restaurant. In fact, you can see it on the screen. This was the inside of the restaurant, and I remember looking around, and I was just fascinated by it. And I felt like the Lord was saying something, but I didn't know what. And I came back, and I met with members of our team. We began to talk, and we began to discuss, and we talked about coffee and what it would look like. And eventually, the idea of Cathedral Coffee was born. In fact, I have some early sketches that were done by uh, one, of the, uh, one of the architects, one of the members of the architectural team on what that space would look like and kind of how we envisioned uh, this, this place where people could come, even if they don't go to our church, a place where they could come and experience the love of God. You'll see some in there that were actually done once the architectural plans were made, some uh, computer renditions of Cathedral Coffee. Now, here's the key. Uh, cathedral Coffee is just a building. It takes a team of people who are committed to loving one another well for that to actually work. And I could tell you story after story after story of how that's been the case. However, in just a little while, we're going to look at a video, and I'm going to let others tell you that story. So the third thing is we love one another well. The fourth thing is we experience God's abundance through corporate worship. Look back at verse 18. Again, this was Paul praying for the Ephesian church. He prayed that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. You can underline that, all the saints, to comprehend with other followers of Christ what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This was Paul's point. If you want to experience this, if you want to know the height and the depth, and the breadth and the length of God's love, it is done within the context of a community of faith. Christians were never designed to, to walk the walk of faith alone. We were never designed to be Lone Ranger Christians. Our spiritual growth must happen within the context of a Christian community. And this is true for all of us, for every one of us in this room. However, this principle is especially true for teenagers. Friendships are vital uh, to teenagers, and Christian friendships are vital to teenagers who are following Christ. Um, community is such a huge part of their being able to follow Christ faithfully. And, and so we knew as a church from day one that if we were really going to do ministry, we needed to have a strong, strong student ministry. For years, our students met in what we call our overflow room. Some of you listening to my voice may be in the room right now. That was our student ministry area. And it worked, and our student pastors over the years did the best job that they could in that area, but it just wasn't enough to fulfill their ministry needs. And so again, around 2014, 2015, we began to dream of a student center that would have much more space, where this community could happen, where these teenagers could experience these Christian friendships and grow together. And in May of 2018, we opened that space that many of you have 
have been in before. We have a few 11th and 12th graders in our ministry who, who may remember being in that overflow room, but just a few. Most of our students during their years in student ministry have been in that space. And again, just like the coffee shop, it's just a building. It's, it's just steel and concrete and wires and HVAC units. It is just a building. However, what happens in that building, what happens in that space, is what makes all the difference in the world. Last week, uh, over New Year's weekend, uh, our family had the chance to go to North Carolina and to visit with some friends. We spent the weekend with them, and last Sunday we went to church with them. Uh, one of the members of the church came up to me afterwards. This particular member knew that I was a pastor. And this church is without a pastor. So she came up and she kind of joked and said, did the Lord speak to you during the service? And I said, about what? <laughs> and she said, well, I was just praying that the whole time the Lord would get your heart right and you would come and be our pastor. We laughed and went on to lunch and went about our day. Came back to Macon and a couple of days after that experience, I was riding in the car with my ninth grade daughter, Elizabeth. And I just sort of joked with her. I said, you know, that lady that came up and asked me to come be their pastor? She said, yes. Yeah. Well, they've called again, and, and Mommy and I are talking to them. We, we may move up there and pastor that church. The, the blood just drained from her face. She said, what? And I said, just joking. I said, you wouldn't be okay with that? And she said, no. And I said, why? And she said, well, their church was fine. But, Dad, it wasn't Northway. And I can't imagine ever having to leave my church. I'm telling you, that does something in a dad's heart that, that no amount of money could ever buy. It's just steel and concrete and, and metal and, and, and wires and HVAC units. But what happens in that space makes a difference that will last for all of eternity. For that, I'm incredibly grateful. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us. We are so thankful for your faithfulness. And God, how you have poured out immeasurably more than all we have asked or imagined. Uh, Father, we give you the, the glory and the praise and the honor. Uh, we are thankful for your grace in our lives. We are thankful for your goodness and how you have just overwhelmed us. Father, what we celebrate today, yes, we look back at your faithfulness. And Father, as well, we look forward and trust that you will do even greater things in the future. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The fact that, that Northway, before CR was ever thought of in this building, went ahead and provided all this space is huge. It made it 
a lot easier to invite like friends when you say like, just come play basketball, just come hang out with us. And that's just like another avenue to bring people in to, to church on Sunday morning. If I have somebody that I wanna to talk to about something, anything, it's easy to just be like, let's go grab a cup of coffee at Cathedral. And I know it's like a safe place. Community Bible study wouldn't be what it is without Northway Church. The rooms that you all provide for us to meet in um, are where families are, are birthed. Christian families come together. God, what are you gonna do with the RESOL ladies? You know, they're a part of my life. Are we gonna do it at my house? Are we gonna do it? Do you think Northway would let us use their space? Um, and graciously they did. I talked to Stephen and he said, yeah, you can use the student center um, in any, any capacity, whether it's the lobby or the, the main room or, or whatnot. And um, ever since then, uh, we've just picked it right up here. And my ladies have feel really, really welcome. You know, being the head coach at Mercer and being a, a man of faith, you know, we want to make sure we're, you know, exposing our guys to the right messages. And, and so the opportunity to bring them to church here and the church being so generous to feed us, you know, it's, you're talking about a hundred and when you count 110 players and 30 or 20 coaches and 30 support staff and their families. That's a big, that's a big crowd. For kids to actually come over and sit in a coffee shop where they're listening to Christian music, where they're around people studying the word, for that to become comfortable, then this building just wasn't difficult or strange or odd to walk in if you hadn't been in a church. So absolutely, I'll tell you that um, both of my girls have invited many people to services here, Friday night praise and worship services, um, services during Holy Week, um, and, and in large part, people were willing to come in the door and come to church because they'd been to Cathedral Coffee and they felt welcomed and they felt comfortable. Since um, Northway took on the projects to invest in um, more space, now it's easier for us to invest in more people through um, just having the space for people to come, like the, our new student center, Cathedral Coffee, which has allowed just a lot of people from outside of Northway and our church to know about us and just to come to grow closer to Christ. I lead the Northway Celebrate Recovery and every Monday night we have between 200 and 300 people come in the door. Everybody floods into Cathedral Coffee. That is like a draw for every person before they even get to uh, the main worship part of Celebrate Recovery. I was a homeless person. Um, our housing fell through, and we managed to find housing with family eventually. And my cousin loves coffee shops, so he, he recommended Cathedral Coffee. I decided to come uh, after going past it and figure out where it was. And um, it was a Monday night, and I, and I didn't know that Mondays were special. But anyway, uh, around 6.30, all these people started flowing in. And, I was, and I'm thinking, wow, they really like this coffee shop because they can't wait. It might close in a half an hour. And then when I turned around, the church was open. And so I went there, and I saw one of the pamphlets, and it was talking about this program called Celebrate Recovery that I had never even heard of. We do a large group at CR, where everybody's in the main worship center at the same time. But then afterwards, we break up into small groups. We completely fill up the teen worship center. We completely fill up M Hall and A Hall. We're using both of the prayer rooms, the overflow room, and three rooms down on the kids section. 
Without that space, it would make it very difficult to host these small groups where people are finding real healing and being able to share what's going on in their lives. I, I ran into Sean and his light was so bright. And then I went into the sanctuary and the sanctuary is everything about celebration. And after that, I did the 12 step program and God is healing me. And I will be eternally grateful that God put me in that coffee shop. Community Bible Study's purpose is to gather women around the Word, and um, we're able to do that through the spaces in Cathedral Coffee. So all of the tables and the sitting spaces just offer an opportunity for women to come together and to share what they're learning and how they're growing. And honestly, um, to have a meal together, to uh, break bread together, to um, really get to know the Lord better together in that space. It's warm, it's inviting, the presence of the Holy Spirit is there, and lives are changing in there. So we are so grateful for the facility. So working at the coffee shop is a lot different than I think any other place because of the relational aspect of it. And I think it's really obvious that we all have relationships with Jesus because of the way that we love our customers. And the people who come there are coming, not just for the coffee, but the like relational aspect of it too. I think it's a wonderful place where women can um, grow and feel comfortable. People that do not have a church home often come in here and find that church home. So we are so grateful for Cathedral Coffee and for Northway. So Cathedral is really the reason I'm at Northway because I started working there whenever it first opened in 2018. So I'm one of the original baristas at Cathedral. Um, and then the worship leader at the time, Eric, found out that I played keys and so he invited me to be part of the worship team. So I did that and got plugged in with that community. Um, and then joined a home team, the Unprofessionals home team here. And that's where me and Matthew met. And then we actually got, we got married in Cathedral about a year after we met, so. Growing up here, I remember being like in the, the current overflow room um, and that space, it was, it was very small, but uh, it worked, it was functional. Um, it was right next to the, as some of us know, it's right next to the, the sanctuary. So it was like, we couldn't be too loud, especially during the service and things like that. That was something, and especially being in middle school, like that was like, everyone was always constantly like, shh, be quiet, be quiet. Um, the small group areas, we had like booths and they were, they were very small. Um, and for some grades, like they couldn't even fit everyone they had at the booths. So like going into the, the new space, um, just like being down the hallway, especially I, I know looking back on it, like makes a difference just from like being away from everyone else. So we can be like loud middle schoolers and high schoolers. And that's really nice. I also like a big improvement for me was just being able to have, um, like individual small group rooms with doors that like close and you can like have conversation in there that's like not open and heard by anyone else like that's that's a huge um like positive impact i would say also like the the main uh sanctuary in the student room that was like just being able to have a space like that with like really good technology i remember the technology in the old room wasn't as great um be able to have like a band in there on wednesdays and we would have um youth and things like that and then one our big addition for me was like the the basketball court as well like being able to have that space and just like have really fun like fellowship out there and play so many games of basketball was was really good. We were able to to come to worship service and not kick other people out. You know, we were able to hear a great message 
um, and then be able to have the space just to let them be comfortable for a while and hang out. A lot of the guys played some ping pong in there and some video games. I think a lot of our guys have come back to Northway because of the experience they had. You know, Ryan being a former Mercer player, I think that's a special thing. And, and so, uh, so it gave our guys a chance to, to be involved in church, to get a great meal, to, to, for it to feel like family, and then see a church where they could, you know, come back to and continue to, to come and worship uh, while they're in making them away from their, their normal family and their normal church at home. My ladies have feel really, really welcome here. Most of my ladies are Japanese. I have one Chinese uh, young lady who comes, but most of them are YKK wives, and um, they're in my heart. And, and coming to class, we, we talk about culture, we talk about English language, um, we talk about their families, we talk about marriage, we talk about everything, and we talk a lot about how weird it is to be in America and have all this new culture throwing, uh, thrown in their faces. We've done dinners, we've done Thanksgiving dinners over in the Student Center. Um, everybody brings uh, food from all different countries, it's pretty great, and they feel comfortable to go to Cathedral now, and they talk to um, Jacob over there, and then they come to class with coffee in hand, and, and uh, just really aren't inhibited um, because they're at a church. Uh, they're at a place of comfort and peace. You know, the, the ministries of this church have uh, been a, a huge blessing for me. Um, they've, they've helped minister to me and build my relationship with the Lord back up, uh, especially, you know, from where I was coming from, a place of brokenness when I first uh, arrived here at Northway. So, uh, you know, between the friends and family that we've made here, it's been really great. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, if you look at my wife and uh, my daughter, it's, it's just amazing what God can do. Um, you know, cathedral, just everything about this church um, that has, you know, become the center of our lives. You know, uh, we talk about in Psalms, David, you know, asks one thing to, to inquire of the Lord in his temple, to sit at his feet. And um, I feel like we get to really live that out um, here at this church. We are continually in God's house, uh, you know, seeking him and, and finding ways to serve him. And, and we're super excited about what the future holds here at Northway. All right, so this is a moment we've all been waiting for. I'd like to begin by introducing a couple of my friends. Uh, this is Mike Corrigan. Mike was on our lead ministry team uh, when we took out this loan in 2017. Uh, Mike was the chairman of our finance team, which meant he was our treasurer, which meant that his signature is all over this document that we're about to burn. And so he is thrilled to be up here today uh, to get his name off of this debt. He's very excited about that. This is Kevin Franks. Kevin is uh, on our current lead ministry team. He is the current chair of our finance team, and he is our current treasurer, which means our next note for our next building he may have to sign that one. So I asked him to come up here today as an encouragement to sign the next note, knowing that we have burned notes in the past. Um, if you read our newsletter this past week, just to give you a little bit of context, uh, we've had three loans uh, in the 25-year history of this church. Uh, the first one we burned in 2014. Uh, the next one we burned almost exactly two years later in 2016. And then today we are burning this one. Uh, to give you just some of the details, 
this uh, note was actually signed in May of 2017. Uh, it was a two-part note. Part of it was a construction loan, uh, and we were allowed to borrow up to $5.15 million. Uh, we ended up, uh, through some cost-saving measures, only borrowing just a little bit under $5 million. Uh, it, it converted to a permanent loan in June of 2018, once the facility was done. Uh, we have made, and I've had trouble getting the exact data, either 65 or 66 monthly payments on this loan, which means it was five and a half years that we paid on a note that was amortized over 20 years, which means we only paid 25% of the payments that were set for the note. I went back through some of the paperwork this morning, and it was a variable rate, so getting an, uh, getting an exact number is impossible, but we have saved somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 million on this particular note. Now, why have we done this? Well, this past year, especially, we came to you as a church and said, we, we want to wipe this out. Uh, we want to pay this off, and you were faithful, and you gave, and I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday of this past week that we finally were able to process all those year-end gifts and our uh, church administrator called me into his office and said, I want you to see my screen. And he was on the banking website and it said, loan balance, zero. I, I wanted to take a picture and... <laughs> I want to take a picture and post it on social media, but I don't do social media, so... All right, that's it. Without further ado, we will now burn the note and I need you to really clap again when we do this. All right. to this God who has made all of this possible. Father, you are so good. You are so faithful. God, you are so true. All the time, you are good and faithful and true. Uh, Father, we, we celebrate the past. We look forward to the future. God, we celebrate your faithfulness in our lives over and over again. And Father, we pray that the verses we read and studied this morning would be true in our lives as individuals and as a church, that you would do abund abundantly and measurably more than even what we ask or imagine. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. 